Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, when I, when I think of my mom, one of the one of the reasons that I have the confidence that I do today is because of my mom. My mom always went out of her way to, to uh, teach and help and, and work with me. And this is going to really surprise you. But when I was in first, second grade, they thought I was a slow learner. Now, I know, I know y'all are going to have a lot of trouble believing that. Uh, but it's true. And as a matter of fact, they were going to keep me back and not let me go on to the third grade because I wasn't reading very well. And uh, so they wanted to make sure that, you know, I got caught up and everything. And uh, I think that they were just missing my obvious brilliance. You know, that, that was there. Well, the, the problem was reading. And so my mom took me to the Shively Library there on Dixie. Anybody ever been to the Shively Library? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. 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 Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a big tank out front. Remember the tank? Yeah. Is it still there? I think it is. Uh, yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, so I got to play on the tank. My mom took me in. She said, well, what kind of stories do you like? She asked me. Well, that was during the Daniel Boone age when, when Daniel Boone was on TV. You know, Daniel Boone was a man. Yes, a big man with an eye like an eagle and as strong as a mountain was he. And so I told mom, hey, you know, I like Daniel Boone. You know, let's get some, sit there stories about Daniel Boone. So we go into the children's section. We start looking around. There's all these Frontier Dan books. Not one, but like dozens. Dozens of Frontier Dan books. And so my mom got all these Frontier Dan books and she made me start reading them. And every time I get through and I go, I don't want to read anymore. She goes, don't you want to know what happens with Frontier Dan? And I go, well, yeah, I kind of know what happens. You're like, and then you need to keep reading. And so she made me read over and over and over again until not only did I get caught up, but it, it put in me a lifelong love of reading that I have uh, to this very day. And uh, I still read the Frontier Dan books. <laughs> Not enough pictures anymore for me. So uh, the, the fact that, that you have uh, someone that cared for you, helped you, and really put you forward. When you look over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, the first thing we see is this. A strong family built on God is the cornerstone of society. A strong family built on God is the cornerstone of society. Let's look at these first three verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Just kind of walk through them and see what they have to say. Verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So Moses says, okay, here's all the rules and laws and things you're supposed to follow when you get there. Now, why is God giving all these rules and laws and things for them to follow when they get there? Is God up in, in uh, heaven thinking, okay, I'm going to get a bunch of rules, and if they don't follow them, they'll be bad. Is that what God's doing? So for instance, uh, uh, let's say, let's make some rules here for this worship service. You've got to sit up straight, have your Bible open, have a pen out, and be following on your outline. Who are the bad sinners out there right now? Oh, found one, found one, found one. And you look around, are you just making up arbitrary rules to keep people in check? Not at all. God then goes on and tells us why he's giving us these rules. Look what Moses has to say in verse 2. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy a long life. He tells you right at the very end. Why am I giving you all these rules and laws and regulations? 
not to keep you in line, not to separate good and bad people. I'm giving them to you because it's going to be the best way to live. I want you to live a good long life. And this is the best way to live. If you don't do these things, your life is going to be less. If you don't do these things, you're going to have troubles. It's not that I'm trying to separate good and bad. I'm trying to show you the best way to live. And I want you to have a good long life. So the kid comes into the kitchen and the mom says to the kid, don't touch that pan on the stove. It's hot. So does the child suddenly think, oh, mom, she's just trying to keep me from having fun. I want to touch that pan. But she's just made up some arbitrary rule to keep me in line and won't let me touch it because she doesn't like me. Is that why mom did that? Or did mom say, don't touch the pan because if you touch it, you're going to get burned. And she knew what was best for the child. It was best not to touch the pan. The laws that God is giving here is saying, these are going to be best for your life. Do them, your life will be better. You'll live a good long life. He then goes on in verse 3 and emphasizes that even more. He says in uh, uh, verse 3, Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey all so that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. So he tells them here, look, do these things and it'll go well with you. In other words, your life will be better. You'll increase greatly. You'll be more productive and you'll live in a good land that will produce milk and honey. That's what God wants. That's what God's promising you. So what he's telling them here is, look, these are things that are going to make your life better. So what's he talking about here? What is the hallmark of society? Two things are mentioned in verses 1 through 3. One is that a good, strong society needs to be based upon godly principles. And second, a good, strong society comes from having a strong family. Those are the two emphasis that are being given here. Both of those in the United States today we see falling apart. Uh, We live in a society more and more that's going against the principles of God. I'll give you just one very simple way of looking at that. Almost half of the people in the United States today believe there is no such thing as moral absolutes. Now, what do I mean by that? There's no such thing as right and wrong. That there isn't something that this is wrong, this is right. It's just whatever's good at the moment, whatever benefits you at the moment. Nearly 50% of Americans believe that. Millennials, people between ages of 18 and 35, more than half of them say there's no such thing as good and bad and right and wrong. Well, if there's no such thing as good and bad and right and wrong, you might as well give up. It's all over from the very start, but that's the society that we have today uh, in in our world. And so people are getting further and further away from the things of God. So they are not prospering. Their lives are not going well. They're not having uh, the good things that God wants for them because they're choosing a lesser path in their lives. Not only that, though, we, we go on and we find that the family is deteriorating, breaking apart. Not only are we going against godly principles, the second part of a strong society was a strong family. And families are falling apart. Families are not nearly as strong as they used to be. As a matter of fact, today, 41% of all births are to people who are not married and, and the children are raised in single-parent families. Now, I've known some really good single parents. Parents that went out of their way to raise their children, raise them well, and the kids have turned out great. But it was twice as hard for that parent to do. Uh, but, but I know some really good parents that have done that. But did you know that 87% of children in the United States that live in poverty, 87% come from single-parent homes? And so you see the, 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 the falling down of the family. You see the destruction that is going on there. And so the two things that is happening 
that we are no longer following principles of God. Families are no longer important the way that we think that they should be. And what we see then is that the two foundations of society are being crippled today. So what do we do about it? Our scripture goes on and it says, one thing you need to do is a strong family passes the baton from one generation to the next. A strong family passes the baton from one generation to the next. You grow up, you teach it to your children who teach it to their children. That's what we're told in verse 2. That that you pass it from your child to their child and on and on down the line. Uh, Look a little bit uh, further uh, down to verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk, walk around the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And so we're supposed to pass this faith on from one generation, from one child to the next. We're told in verse 6 and 7, look at the beginning of verse 7, impress them on your children. Uh, you ever seen a stamp where you make a stamp like a, a, an iron or, a rock or you know, like you're, you're uh, burning an imprint into somebody? That's the word that's being used here. Impress it upon your children so that it's always with them. Now, I have people tell me every once in a while, well, I want my children to decide on their own about God. Well, if you want your children to decide on their own about God, you're already behind the curve. Because let me tell you, everything else in the world is trying to teach them and indoctrinate them in some way. Uh, from the music they listen to, to the movies they see, to the television shows, uh, to, to all of that. They are being pushed in a certain way and indoctrinated in a certain way. You better be giving them what you think's right because, believe me, the world is going to hammer them with what they think is right. And we indoctrinate our children in every other way. I've been to the hospital right after babies are born, and we're indoctrinating them in sports teams. I walk in, and there's a kid wearing a University of Louisville onesie. I walk in and there's another little girl that they've got in a Kentucky Wildcat cheerleader outfit. I was at the hospital the other day and there was a poor infant, an infant, that was wearing a Tennessee jersey. And I'm thinking, goodness gracious folks, what are you teaching this poor impressionable child? So we're indoctrinating them from the day they're born. But when it comes to heaven and hell, eh, let them choose their own. You know, how silly is that as we get into it when the world's hitting us with everything that it's got? You know, part of the problem that we have is that parents need to understand they are the primary trainers and spiritual developers of their children. You can't put it off on somebody else. You can't say, well, they'll get sex ed at school or something like that. People tell me all the time, why aren't schools teaching this? And I say, believe me, schools don't want to teach sex ed. You know why they're doing it? Because parents aren't doing it at home. And so they have so many problems at school, they have to do it. And then they teach it in a way you don't like and you get mad. Well, maybe if we did it at home, they wouldn't need to do it at school. And then we, we have the dry cleaner approach at church. You know what dry cleaner is? You get dirty clothes and you send them off to, to get clean and they come back. We say, well, when it comes to God, I'll send my kids to church. You get them clean, send them back to me. It's not the way it is. The church is not those, the place where your children are supposed to be given everything they know about God. We are the backup to the parents. It is your job as a parent to raise your children the way that they were supposed to be raised. The church is supposed to back you up, encourage you, give you resources to do it better, and to, and to, and to let your children know, hey, what you're getting at home is exactly right. So parents need to take the responsibility uh, for the raising their children. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they shall go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. 
We need to model for our kids what it means to be a Christian. We need to, to talk to our kids about it. We need to pray for our children. When was the last time you prayed for your children? Prayed for their friends, prayed for, for uh, uh, their jobs, prayed for their school, prayed for, for all of the things that they struggle with in life. Pray for your children. And then let them know that there's nothing they're ever going to do that's going to keep you from loving them. Let children grow up in a loving, caring home. A third thing our scripture talks about in having a strong family is that a strong family is built on a loving relationship. It's built on loving relationships. Now, we tend to teach our children when it comes to God a set of rules. Do these things, you're a good kid. Break these things, you're a bad kid. But when it comes to what the scripture says, it's all about relationships. And the first relationship is a relationship that, that your child and you have with God and then, then with other people. Look at verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus, in Matthew 22, says this is the most important verse, sentence in the entire Bible. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The Hebrew word that's used here for love means breath taken away. That's literally what it means. So think about it again. Is this about rules and regulations? You know what you're told in that verse? Let God take your breath away because you're in such a strong relationship with him. Have you ever seen somebody that's so much in love that they just get their breath taken away when that person walks into the room or something? That's the phrase that's being used here. Let God take your breath away. Let him have all of your heart, your soul, your strength. That's about relationship. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about good and bad. It's about somebody loving you and you loving them back. And then we need to have the same thing when it comes to other people. Jesus added that in Matthew 22. He said, yes, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Let God take your breath away. But view people, love people in the same way. Let people, let let, let your children know that every person in this earth matters. That there is no one they're ever going to encounter. I don't care who they are. I don't care what gender they are, what race they are, what country they're from, whether they're rich or poor, what kind of clothes they wear. Every person is a child of God created in his image, loved by God that Jesus died for. You need to be taking your children out and letting them see, okay, we're going to go help at soup kitchens. We're going to donate uh, clothes here. We're going to help with Operation Christmas Child there. We're going to be a part of the free code exchange. Do whatever you can to get your children to see you need to be involved in loving God and you need to be involved in loving people. When children understand that they are loved and that there is nothing that they will ever do to break the love of their parents or to break the love of God, they are going to be children whose faith is going to be strong. When children think it's about following a few rules and being good or bad, it changes their entire view of everything. Let it be about relationships. Let God take your breath away. And then the last thing our scripture says about having a strong family is that a strong family spends time with one another. Spends time with one another. Now, we're not very good in the United States today about spending time with family. I'm going to give you kind of disturbing statistics here. Only 34% of American families will eat a meal together. 34% will actually eat a meal together. The average father spends less than 10 minutes a day with their child. Well, I'm so busy. I've got all this stuff to do. I've, I, you know, so I can't spend more time than 10 minutes. And then the average child has less than four minutes of one-on-one time with either one of their parents. 
less than four minutes a day. And so if you have two children, you know, they're always together, whatever. No child ever gets quality one-on-one time less than four minutes a day. And only 12% of parents say they ever take time to pray for their children. Only 12%. And then you wonder why we have the problems that we do. We need to be spending time together. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Chip, I'm so busy. Everything is so hectic. My children are involved in so many different things. You know, there's kids out there, they're involved in sports. They're involved in dancing. They're involved in every club. They've got gymnastics. They've got, uh, uh, you know, whatever, you know, swim classes. They're involved in everything in the world. We don't have time to do anything else. When do I have time? He gives you four time, four places you can have time. He says, talk about them when you sit at home. So when you're just around at night, instead of always having the TV on, how about taking a second and actually talking to your child? What's going on in your life? What's happening here? What's happening there? He says, another time is when you're walking together. Now, today we don't walk together. What do we do? We drive in cars. That is the, one of the best times as a parent you will ever have to have real communication with your child because they are captive in the car with you and they can do nothing about it. Now you can do a couple of things if you're a parent. Okay, uh, kids, put on your headphones, turn on the video and leave me alone for 15 minutes. You know, Or you can take that time to actually speak with your captive child in the car and say, hey, what's going on with your life? What's going on here? They're actually have a discussion uh, with them. The next time that we're told is, is uh, not when you're going somewhere, but when you're going to bed at night. Great opportunity to have a conversation with your children as they're going to bed. They're going to be willing to engage with you at night for one simple reason. They don't want to go to bed. Okay? So they'll even, they'll even talk to you if they have to. You know, to, to, to get that out there. So that's an excellent time. And then finally, when you get up in the morning... Now, that wouldn't have worked with my kids because they were fairly grumpy when they got up in the morning. Except Saturdays. Were you kids like this? My kids, I could not get them up for school Monday through Friday no matter what I did. But on Saturday, the one day I had to sleep in, they'd get up at 6 in the morning. You know, I go, what is wrong with you all? You know, what is the deal? So when you get up in the morning. So just some times to spend quality time with children. American families are so rushed and hurried that nothing seems to ever get done and no time spent. Here are five indicators of whether or not your family is too hurried. Five indicators. You can't relax. Even if you have time at night, you can't relax. You can't enjoy that quiet time is the second one. Number three, you always feel like you need to do something else. Okay, uh, I know I've got an hour here before to go to bed, but I feel like I have to go uh, uh, dust the the. The, the shelves or something like that. You can't stop. You've always got to be doing something. You're a martyr that's always got to do something for somebody else, but you won't let anybody do anything for you. That's a sign of a person that's living a too hurried life. And then finally, you're a world-class overachiever. Uh, you've got to keep going and going and going. You can never just relax. You can never just sit down and actually take in a few moments of rest. I know people who go seven days a week. I know good Christians who go seven days a week and never stop. And uh, I've even tried to tell them, you know what? 
you need to take a day off. It's called recreating yourself. And I've had people tell me, well, I don't have time to do that. I've got so much work to do. And besides, I'm serving God when I do this or that. And I say, okay, you, you do what you want. I guess you know better than, than God did when he said that you were supposed to have a Sabbath day of rest. So, so since you're smarter than God, you do it your way. And then let's see if you live the good life that God said that you were supposed to live. Or whether or not you get tired and burned out at the end of it. So we need to spend that quality time. And then finally, finally, we need to take advantage of teachable moments. When you're spending time with your kids, it's not just quantity, it's also quality. Those teachable moments. Look down to verse 20. Down to verse 20 of our scripture passage. In the future, when your son asks you, what's the meaning of the stipulation, decrees, and laws the Lord your God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt. With a mighty hand. So he says, there's going to come times in life when your children are going to ask you questions. Something's going to happen. Why did this happen? What's that mean? Why is this happening at school? What's going on on TV? Your kids are going to engage you. There's going to be teachable moments. And when that happens, you need to be ready for teachable moments and give them a good answer as to what's going on. To be looking for those kind of teachable moments in the life of your children because they're going to pop up very unexpectedly. You'll be, they'll be captive in your car and they'll ask you something and suddenly that teachable moment comes. I remember uh, we were on a cruise one time and uh, my kids were younger and uh, this was back in the Fern Gully stages. Anybody seen those Fern Gully movies? Okay, come on, people, catch up with videos. Other, Thank you, Beverly. So Fern Gully is actually in Jamaica and we were in Jamaica and so we took the Fern Gully tour. My kids couldn't wait to get into Fern Gully and uh, we're driving around and suddenly we're passing all these, these run-down shacks and there's people standing out in front of them in tattered clothes and my kids who grew up in the east end of Louisville and think that, that you know, uh, uh, poverty is, is being in the, in the smaller of the neighborhoods in Prospect or something, you know, uh, they, they looked at me and they said, you know, are they, people really living like that? And that was a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment to be able to say two things. Number one, you're very, very blessed. You don't understand how blessed you are. You don't know how blessed you are to live in this country. You don't know how blessed you are to live where you live. You don't know how blessed you are to have what you have. That was the first thing. But the second thing is to say, yeah, you know what? That is how they live. And anything you can do to help another person or to make it better for them, you need to do it because every one of those people you see standing out there are special people created in God's image that Jesus loves. And so it's an opportunity. It was that teachable moment uh, that have. Look for those with your children. So what have we seen today? We've seen that society is based on godly principles and a strong family. And when those two things fall apart, everything falls apart. And so we need to be intentionally seeking to strengthen our families. I had a kindergarten teacher tell me one time, she said, you know, I'll have kids come into kindergarten and you can tell immediately what kind of parents they've had. Some kids will already be reading, writing, know every a number of the alpha, every number of the alphabet. See, <laughs> I told you I was a slow learner in school. You know, yeah, I wouldn't listen. Every letter of the alphabet, you know. And she said, "We'll have other kids come in. They've never held a crayon in their life, and don't know how to use it. And I'm trying to teach all of these kids at once." But, but the, the difference in parents makes all the difference in the world. I was talking to a friend of mine back at, right after Thanksgiving. He's got two adult daughters now. And he said he used to tell them when they got into high school, he told his daughters, look, if anything ever happens, 
and you need me, call me, and I will come pick you up, and I promise you I will not ask you what happened. And he said, I, I, I prayed, oh, Lord, help that never happen. You know, and he said, uh, one day I get a telephone call. And it was my daughter. She was a senior in high school. And I could tell she was crying. She said, Dad, you need to come pick me up when I'm at this house. He said, I show up. There was a party going on. He said, she went and got in the car. She kind of had tears going down her cheeks. And I looked at her and I said, do you want to talk? And she said, no, sir. So I said, okay. Well, his daughter's in her early 30s now. Got children of her own. And at Thanksgiving, they were sitting around the table. And she said, Dad, remember that time I called you in high school and you came pick me up? And he said, oh, yeah, I remember that time. And she said, uh, did you ever wonder what happened that night? And he goes, oh, yeah, I've wondered more than once. And she said, well, do you want to know now? And he said, no, because I told you I would never ask you, and I never will. And she looked at him, and she said, I know, and that's why I called you, because I knew you would just love me. That's what a family's supposed to be. See, you can mess up. You cannot do this parenting thing right sometimes. Anybody here ever not done the parenting thing right? You know, mess up all the time, don't you? You know the one thing that overcomes all of those parenting mistakes? It's called love. It's called relationship. That no matter what happens, your children know that they are loved and cared for. And there is nothing they will ever do that could cause you not to love them. And when they believe that about God and they believe that about you, it will change everything and it will make a strong society. And that's something they'll want to pass on. It may be iffy if your children grew up with a faith that was all about rules and regulations to say, okay, now that I'm a mom and dad, I'm going to make sure my kids stay in line like my parents kept me in line. Maybe that's 50-50. But if what your children see is, you know what? I was loved no matter what. And I want my kids to know that they're loved no matter what. That's something you're going to want to pass on. And that's what parenting is all about. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you loved us no matter what. As we raise our children, as we look at our lives, help us to realize it's about love more than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. I can see waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out. Taken, we will not be overcome. Same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that can.
enjoy today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.